Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk eBay. I'm your host, Johnny, with Sin City Hustlers. Episode 19. We're at episode 19 now, uh, almost to 20. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram uh, under Sin City Hustlers, Sin underscore City underscore Hustlers, and go ahead and give me a follow. So anything I talk about today in the podcast and my previous podcast, uh, I usually put a screenshot of everything I talked about, my weekly sales, my eBay news, my weird listing of the week. So just give me a follow. Not only can you hear what I'm talking about, you could also see what I was talking about on Instagram. Uh, this week's music artist is one of my favorites, uh, Frank Sinatra. Luck be a lady. It's pretty appropriate for where I live, Las Vegas. Uh, little tidbits about the Luck be a lady from Frank Sinatra. And I'm sure you guys know who it was at the beginning of the show. You can only listen to the the beginning of the song or the top of the show, um, uh, only on the Anchor. Uh, if you download the Anchor app, you can listen to the song. I feature a new song uh, every week, and I talk about uh, the song. Uh, of course, this week, Frank Sinatra, like I said, Luck Be a Lady is a song written by Frank Lassier in 1950, first performed by Robert Alda. The song was featured in the musical Guys and Dolls, uh, Guys and Dolls, a really old movie, I think, believe back in the 40s, uh, musical. Uh, the lyrics relate to a point of view of a gambler, uh, Sky Masterson, who hopes that he will win a bet. Then the outcome, which will decide whether or not he is able to save his relationship with the girl of his dreams. Uh, the legendary actor Marlon Brando sang the song in 1955 version film. Uh, in 2004, the uh, Version finished at number 42 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs Survey, Top Tunes of American Cinema. So it was number 42. It's a classic song. It You can almost hear it in a lot of uh, uh, movies about Las Vegas or anything that has to do with Las Vegas. They automatically just put Frank Sinatra. He just, he just coincides with Las Vegas. You know, he was here for a long time and sang here. and He lived here. And so Frank Sinatra is, is pretty much a legend. And uh, it was a great song uh, by a great artist, a legendary artist, and one of my favorites. And that's pretty much it for uh, my featured artist of the week. Uh, I do not have a scheduled reseller on. Um, and this is the reason for my late podcast. Um, I'm publishing my podcast on Sunday now. Instead of during the week, because during the week, it, it right now being Q4, I've just been swamped with sales and sourcing and trying to keep up my listing because I'm getting more sales than usual, of course, for you know Q4. So I got to replenish my inventory every time I sell something. So um, everything I list on there, you know, it sells and then I got to replenish the, you know, the what I call empty shelf on my store. So when I source, I got to go source. I got to source a lot. I go to the bins, I go to savers and I got to uh, replenish that store. You know, you can't let it deplete, you know, so you got to keep, keep listing, keep, keep sourcing. And that's the reason for the late podcast. It's just been really busy with eBay. And I'm sure you guys out there know, and all your resellers out there know that Q4 is here and you're probably guys going through the same issues. 
trying to keep up, keep your store up, keep your inventory up. So, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, sales are up. Mine are up like 103% right now, but I'm sure that will come down uh, a little bit. But Q4 is here, and this is my first Q4, so I'm experiencing everything from Q4 right now. So this is my experience with Q4. So everybody else, if you're new with Q4, I'm sure there's a lot of new resellers out there. You guys are new. This is your first Q4, so good luck to everybody out there. Um, I, I'm Right now, I'm just you know having the time of my life with Q4. It's just a great experience so far. You know, this is the reason why I got into this business is, you know, to sell, to resell, you know, buy things really low and sell it really high on eBay. You know, that's basically what we do. And Q4 is the best time of the year to be a reseller. So that's the reason for my late podcast. So it's going to be on Sundays now, which is a little bit more, uh, more better, a little bit, a little bit better for me to publish because Sundays is really much downtime for me. So I have a little bit of time to do my podcast and record my segments and get in contact with resellers to interview. So Sundays will be the day I publish my podcast. So I apologize, you know, for the late podcast. I usually do it either Tuesday, mostly on Tuesdays I'll publish it, but sometimes Wednesday. But the weekdays are really busy because of my full-time job and then I eBay part-time. But since eBay is slowly, slowly taking over right now because of Q4, so I have to publish my podcast on a Sunday. So uh, I'm with the show. I don't want to keep boring you guys with the... Uh, this lame I would, stuff about publishing my podcast. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to go over my weekly sales. We're going to go over eBay news and weird listing of the week. All right. It's time to go over my weekly sales. Um, let me click on here and get ready. Uh, before I go into my weekly sales, I'm going to talk about Let's talk about returns. Returns, I have three pending. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel about returns, but every time I get a re return request on my phone, I'm just like, oh, come on, really? Like, why don't you guys just keep it? I don't want it back. <laughs> I'm selling it to get rid of it, not to keep it. Um, I just started offering free returns and these three returns almost came back to back to back um one in particular is a guitar hero guitar for xbox 360 it's a gibson les paul it was tested but not connected to an xbox 360 because i don't have an xbox 360 to connect it with okay but here's the deal the guy bought it for forty nine ninety nine. Um, that's what I had it listed for. But the guy had zero feedbacks, zero zero zero, none, which was a red flag for me. And I just sort of noted it in the back of my mind, saying, "Hey, this is going to be an issue, I think." And um, sure enough, it was. There was an issue. And so, as soon as I got this return request, I got another one for a pair of rock revival jeans and which it happens. I know jeans are kind of weird and fit people weird. 
no matter how, how much measurements you put on there. Um, a lot of people don't look at the description when they buy it. They just see the size and they think that's my size and I'm going to fit in them. Um, these were a woman's a dark jeans, a size 29, which is a weird size to put for a woman's jean. Um, but uh, that that was getting a return request. And then right after that uh, was a rock t-shirt. Wait, the Sid Vicious t-shirt that I, I mentioned in a podcast or two podcasts ago. And hear that? Yeah, I got my window open. <laughs> I live in an apartment complex, and you know, there's kids screaming, cars with loud music, and so you're gonna hear that in the background. I apologize, but uh, <laughs> um, the Sid Vicious T-shirt is coming back. Now, here's the reason why it's gonna hurt. It's a seventy-dollar sale that I'm gonna have to refund this this lady or girl, or whatever, and. Um, she said that it was uh, not vintage. She Well, she thought it was vintage. I'm like, no. And this is the message that she sent me. She's all, your, your listing or your item was misleading. I thought it was a vintage, said Vicious. And I messaged her back. I said, um, it was not misleading because there's nowhere in my listing that it says it is vintage. Nowhere. So she messaged back and she's all, oh, I apologize. I I could have swore it said vintage in the list. I was like, no, it doesn't say vintage. But she's all, uh, nonetheless, um, it's not vintage. I wanted a vintage Sid Vicious uh, T-shirt. Sid Vicious was a lead singer of the Sex Pistols back in the day. And I tried to get her not to return them because she was messaging me saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to return these. And I'm sure, you, I'm sure you guys out there know, and you get messages from buyers saying, hey, just let you know I'm returning these. Anyway... <laughs> Um, she was like, I'm just going to return it. I'll even pay for shipping and all that stuff. I'm like, no, just, if you want to return it, I'll return it or, uh, I'll prove the return. Um, but, uh, she's going to go ahead and return it. It's going to be a $70 return and it's going to, it's going to hurt a little bit. Um, along with the guitar hero, here's the thing with the guitar. hero. I'm going back to the guitar hero, the guy with the zero feedback. Um, his issue was the red button on the Guitar Hero is not working, and it's loose. And when I tested it, it was fine. I shipped it out carefully, shipped it very carefully, and everything was working. The button, the red buttons, all the colored buttons on there were working. And he sent me a picture saying, I said, look, see, the, the red button is almost coming off. I'm like, this is not the one I sent them. Um, I'm getting scammed out of a Guitar Hero here. And this is this is my red flag here. I knew this was going to be an issue. And sure enough, they're like, oh, we're going to re- a return request. So it came up, and I approved the request. And I should have offered maybe like a partial refund because I knew they were trying to scam me out of some money. But um, I wanted to I wanted to see this button. So I approved the return, and here's the thing. They had till the 18th to return it, and they have not returned it yet. So hopefully eBay will close this return case, and just I'll just keep the 50 bucks. And they were supposed to re- put it in the mailbox and have it shipped out to me by Thursday. And it hasn't, hasn't got here yet. It hasn't even been in the mailbox. They haven't even shipped it at all. I mean, I pay for the label. You know, and all I had to do is print the label and you know ship it out. But 
like I said, I think they were just trying to scam me. And I think I think they might, uh, you know, give it a second thought and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. But hopefully I won't have to refund 50 bucks. But uh, the going back to the Rock Revival, they came back today, or not today, yesterday, because today's Sunday. They actually came back yesterday. So I'm going to go ahead and relist them. I refunded the the buyer $43.75. Now, these weren't the highest um, highest jeans. How, how should I put this? High, um, high-end jeans. Sorry. The high-end jeans, um, the Rock Revival, they were Gwen Boot, dark jeans with the flat pockets, and the, they were going for like $40, $50 at the most. And I have another pair of Rock Revival that I sold, I think, last month. I sold those for a lot more because they were going for a lot more. I sold those for 69 bucks. And so I'm going to go ahead and relist these. This didn't hurt too bad, but I know I can resell them. I might list them a little bit higher, being Q4. So I might list them a little higher. Um, the Guitar Hill Guitar, uh, I'm probably not going to have to refund. But the Sid Vicious is going to sting this is really going to hurt. So I went for that to, to come back. And she's already messaged me again since saying, oh, I had some issues and stuff I really don't care about. You know, I'm sorry, to be honest. She's telling me, like, her life story. I'm like, I really don't care. Just just send the shirt back. <laughs> I'll Just send the shirt back so I can refund you the money so I can relist it. But uh, those are the returns. So if you, you guys are going to get returns. You guys are sellers. And if you guys are new sellers, expect returns. Uh, especially Q4, they're gonna be there's gonna be a lot more returns. So hopefully you're selling a lot more than you're getting returns, and that's and that's the key is to sell a lot more than you're getting returns. My return rate, I was looking at it, it's less than five percent. I don't know if that's high or low, but I think that's pretty low. And uh, that's pretty much it with the returns. So expect returns, guys. It's gonna happen. Um, hopefully they're not high end returns or high priced returns and it won't hit you in the in the pocketbook too bad um let's go on to the sales let's get away from from returns before it gets ugly um vintage castleberry women's black sleeve it uh it's goth looking which is appropriate for this time of the year i think someone bought it because it's a big size size 16 and i haven't i had it listed for a couple months and it sold and Sold it for 45 bucks. Got it at the bins for less than a buck. Of course, if you guys know my podcast, I get a lot of stuff from the bins. Goodwill bins, paid by the pound. And sold it for 45 bucks. It was a good flip. And it's a really cool looking dress. Very goth, gothic looking dress, vintage. So someone's gonna probably going to wear that for Halloween. Sorry. I just burped. Uh... <laughs> Next up is some pair of shoes, Nike Roshis. Uh, Roshi 1s, men's pure platinum, Calypso. Um, pretty cool-looking Nikes. I would have kept them for myself if they were my size. But uh, I got these at the Nike outlet. These, the, these pair here, and I got another pair of Nike uh, Airs, Air Jordans. Uh, one was for like 21 bucks was the Air Jordans. And I sold those uh, quite... Uh, recently for 99 bucks straight up 99 bucks i listed it high to see if i can get a best offer and someone just bought them for 100 bucks um these same same issue 
I listed them for $64.99, exactly what I got for them, um, which I love these type of sales. There's no negotiation. There's no going back and forth. They just bought them because they wanted them. Size 13, which is a pretty large size. So, But the comps were really good on them. Um, the comps were like for regular sizes, for like 8, 9, 10, 11s, you know, normal sizes. These are size 13, so it was a pretty big size. But I took a chance on them because they were cheap. They were at the Nike outlet, and they were brand new shoes. Looked like they weren't worn. Looked like the box was just damaged. And I bought them for 24 bucks. flipped it for 64 So it was a good flip. Uh, next up is a hoodie, like a southwestern pattern-looking hoodie. Uh, Denim and Supply. Never heard of the brand. Um, here's the thing. Uh, has Ralph Lauren's name attached to it. So I don't know if this is uh, some sort of sub uh, fashion of Ralph Lauren or some sort of collaboration. I'm not really sure. Uh, it's Denim and Supply, Ralph Lauren. So it says Denim and Supply, Ralph Lauren. Usually it, you know, it'll say Lauren, Ralph Lauren, or Ralph Lauren. But uh, I looked at the comps, and the comps were amazing on it. Um, they're really... I would I would put a bolo on this right now, uh, denim and supply Ralph Lauren. If you see the shirts, um, like the flannels, or the hoodies, pick them up because they're gonna sell. I had these up for a month, and they sold. Maybe yeah, a month. I had it up for forty nine. Took a best offer forty one. Paid a dollar for them. Then it shipped it off to its new home. Very very nice flip on that one. Um, sold pretty quick. Uh, next up is one of my favorite flips. Of uh, last week, uh, Disneyland Resorts, the Nightmare Before Christmas black baseball jersey, size extra, extra large. I would have kept this for myself, but it's too big. I got it at Savers. I think I paid five bucks for it. Maybe a little bit more. I'm not really sure. I think it was $4.99. Picked it up. If you look at my Instagram story, you'll see the picture of it when I when I, when I I sourced it. I'm like, yeah, this, I'm getting this. And listed it for $64.99. That's exactly what I got for it. Someone bought it for $64. Bucks. I've had a lot of offers, $50, bucks, $40. Bucks. I, I said, nope, I'm going to hold on to it because I know I can get more for it, or, or at least what I'm asking. And I did. I got $64.99, and I paid 5 bucks for it. So it's a really good flip, one of the better flips of the week. And uh, it, I would have kept it. Th- this I would have kept for myself. Um, I collect. The Night Before Christmas, it's one of my favorite movies. I love the characters. I love the, the movie. I love the director. Um, Tim Burton stuff, anything Tim Burton. But it was not my size, so I went ahead and looked up the comps. Comps were great and listed it, and it sold. Sold less, I think, two weeks. I had it up for like two weeks, yeah. Sold really quick. Uh, next up is... Uh, I'm going to bring it up because it's not very interesting as far as the clothing, but it's interesting because how long it was listed in my store. Uh, kids snow ski suit, like a big giant snow jump scoot, jumpsuit. Uh, the maker is apparatus size, kids size four. And if you guys experienced sellers out there, know, uh, size four kids do not sell. Not just size four, but kids clothes in general. Unless you're selling kids clothes in a lot. Uh, individually, you're not gonna sell it. I'm just, I'm just being straight up. I mean, it's just not gonna sell. This thing was up there forever. I say about nine months. I say nine months. About as long as I, I've been 
listing on eBay. And it's just a good reminder to not buy kids' clothes and to buy things that are going to sell and not sit in your store forever. And there's another one in my store, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Pullover Hoodie for a Kid. And I have not pulled the listing. Here's the reason. Um, It just reminds me not to buy stuff like that. I'm sure I can use that listing for a better listing, but it reminds me don't buy stuff that's not going to sell. So I just I just leave it on there. So maybe maybe it'll sell in Q4 or something. But uh, I, I'm done with kids' clothes. I had a few items with kids' clothes, sold them, and I never relisted any kids' clothes whatsoever. Uh, unless your niche is going to be nothing but kids' clothes and lots, then yeah, go ahead and list kids' clothes. But for me, nope, I'm not looking for those type of, of sales of kids' clothes because they just doesn't sell. Not for me. Uh, next up is uh, the brand is uh, uh, Lopagee women's white sleeveless sundress very nice looking white dress um i thought it would sell quicker because i listed it during summer it was up for a couple months and um had a lot of watchers of course and no offers and i only had it listed for 1999 because that's what the comps were going for and i sold it for 1999 you know and i think i put it in a i think it weighed over a pound it was it was a little heavy dress I had a couple layers, I think, to it. But it was a really nice-looking dress. Um, made a few bucks off of it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a bolo for this brand because I don't ever, never heard of this brand. Um, but it was a nice-looking dress. When I when I picked it up at the bins, I kind of, like, it was white. It's usually anything white in the bins. It's not going to stay white in the bins. So I grabbed it really quick, and there was no stains. It was a little dirty, so I ended up washing it, and it was uh, pretty nice look, looking dress. So I listed it and sold it for twenty bucks. So nice looking dress. Uh, next up is a Nike dry fit black and gray hoodie with the Nike Swish logo in the front. Uh, sold it for twenty one bucks. Had it listed for like twenty four ninety nine. Took a best offer twenty one, which was pretty good. You know, all my stuff I get at the bins. It's less than a dollar. I'm always saying I'm always saying that it's less than a dollar. And flipped it for 21 and shipped it off to its new home. And next up is some Nike Air Jordan 1s. I had these up for a while. Why? I don't know. Really nice looking shoes. Retro high OGBG white storm blue. Five and a half youth. And I think there's a couple reasons why they didn't sell very quick. One, they're youth shoes. Two, I think people thought they were fakes. I thought they were fakes when I picked them up. I go, oh, these got to be fakes. There's no way. I look, I, I picked them up at Savers in you know in the shoe department, and they looked really good. The bottoms were not worn. It was a little dirty, so I had to clean them up. Um, but they were not fake. So I listed them high when I first got them for like seventy nine bucks. I think I listed them a little higher when I got them eighty nine, and I dropped it down because they weren't getting any watchers. They weren't getting any uh, views. So I dropped it down to seventy four ninety nine. And these were listed for a good four months. And I thought they would sell a lot quicker than that. And you guys out there who sell shoes, you you probably know that they should have sold a lot faster. But I don't know why. I'm thinking it's because they're youth. They're youth shoes. That's, That's what I'm thinking. 
you know, who's going to pay 80 bucks for used shoes for a kid who's just going to destroy them in like a couple weeks. But I uh, ended up uh, dropping the price to seventy four ninety nine, and right away I started getting watchers, 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 watchers. And finally got a few low balls, which, you know, I declined. And finally got a decent offer, and I negotiated with the guy back and forth, and we kind of just met in the middle. And the guy's like, this is my final offer. I, I can only afford 60 bucks." And I was like, you know what? Sold. I'm selling. You know, congratulations. I'm going to sell them to you for 60 bucks. So I just want to get rid of them. I'm tired of them collecting dust in my, you know, in my store. So, And they're a nice pair of looking shoes. So 60 bucks, and I paid. I got them at Savers. I think they were like 12 bucks for the shoes, and I had 20% off. Anytime I go to Savers, it's either one, I already have a discount in my rewards, or two, I carry the coupons around with me in my pocket. The 20% off coupons, or it's one of the color half-off listings or half-off items at Savers. Um, I rarely pay full price for what Savers is asking because a lot of times they overprice a lot of stuff. And I don't know if there's there's savers around where you guys live. I know in Las Vegas there's six savers and, you know, and a bunch of Goodwills. But um, I never pay full price for anything unless it's a home run and I know it's going to sell and I know it's going to be a good flip on there. And that's pretty much it for my sales. Um, sales are up. I'm, I'm gaining a lot of sales, cons- uh, consistent sales. A uh, few sales here and there during the day, during the week. And I know it's Q4, so, you know, it's just going to pick up next month in November, Black Friday. So, um, there's other sales on here that I'm not going to bore you guys with because they're just a few women's clothes that I sold. And like I said before in my last podcast, I'm just trying to purge all my women's clothes. I mean, there's quite, I, I mentioned the dress here in one of my sales, but there's other ones. And I was just like, good, get rid of them. You know, my store is going in a new direction. I'm, I'm focusing more on sports, like jerseys, football, jerseys, shoes, something that's going to be a higher profit. And that's what I'm focusing on. And that's what I know. I know sports. So I'm trying to get away from the women's clothing thing. And the women's clothing thing was a good thing to start out with when you first start is clothing. If you already know your clothing, then then you're ahead of the game already. But you also got to research and look up to see what's selling. And I've made a lot of mistakes on the, on the way. So, and I'm probably going to continue to make mistakes. You know, nobody's perfect in this game. And I realized that from the beginning. Um, if you guys know my story, I researched before I even became a seller for months. So I'm trying to do it the right way. I'm trying to do it, you know, with minimum mistakes as possible. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You guys out there, you guys experience. I know you guys... Uh, Sellers out there, I already know. You know. There's no perfect seller out there. There's no you know, perfect buyer out there. You're just going to, you just have to go with the flow. You just just go with it. And, it, you know, it is what it is. You know, this is just the nature of the business. Just, be, you know, just make those mistakes as minimum as possible. Make sure they're not huge mistakes where you end up like, <laughs> I don't know, getting banned from eBay or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much it for my sales of the week. Um I like I said I had a lot more, but I'm not gonna go through them. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to uh, eBay news.
Okay, it's time for some eBay news. Um, this one is all over the internet right now. Um, I'm sure you guys are aware of eBay was uh, alleging that Amazon was poaching its sellers, which means they were Amazon was going onto eBay and coercing or coercing. Uh, buyers from ebay to go over to amazon and it's a big you know thing about it i don't want to say conspiracy because it's not a conspiracy it was they were actually doing it according to ebay yeah and this is on the verge.com uh ebay is suing amazon over alleged poaching it's third-party sellers uh the article was written october 18th and the article goes on uh, i'm not going to read it verbatim after accusing Amazon of conducting a campaign to poach its third-party sellers, eBay has filed a lawsuit. So they finally filed a lawsuit. I knew that was coming. In California, to ban the competitor from misusing its platform, um, eBay first sent a cease and desist letter to Amazon earlier this month claiming its employees were using eBay's messaging feature to hire away third-party sellers for Amazon Marketplace. Um the e-commerce giants competing sellers platform. And as you guys know, Amazon. Amazon is completely different beast when it comes to selling platform. It is not eBay. It is not anything. It is just it is just a selling machine. It's amazing. If you can utilize it to sell things on Amazon, you just do it. Um I have yet to send anything into Amazon FBA. But uh it goes on, uh, Amazon said it was conducting a thorough investigation of these allegations. Uh, now, according to the Wall Street Journal, eBay is suing Amazon in Santa Clara County with the intent of banning its employees from ever using or misusing eBay's messaging platform. eBay is also seeking unspecified damages as monetary relief for the lost sales. Um, how would you even account for those? I mean, how would, I mean... How would you account for monetary re- uh, relief for the lost sales? That's that's weird. I would love to know the amount of that. Uh, both Amazon and eBay take commission on sales sold using its platform, while Amazon in particular makes a good deal of money providing stocking, shipping, and other packaging logistics support for these sellers. FBA was what they're trying to say. <laughs> Fulfillment by Amazon. Uh, according to eBay's complaint, Amazon orchestrated this poaching effort from its headquarters with standardized messaging that were similar or in some cases identical and being sent from Amazon representatives in the U.S., parts of Europe, Singapore, and Australia. And according to eBay's terms of service, you cannot use this messaging system to conduct or promote outside business or spam other buyers or sellers. Yet Amazon reps were sending sometimes as many as 120 messages with a single eBay account without buying or selling any items on the site. I would say that's poaching. That is definitely poaching. Um, I, want, I want to know who who okayed this from Amazon. If this is even true. I think Amazon's going to deny this. You know, deny, deny, deny till you die. For years, the um, and unbeknownst to eBay, Amazon has been engaging in a systematic, coordinated effort to infiltrate and exploit eBay's uh, proprietary M2M mess, uh, system on eBay's platform was message. I think it's messaging system. 
to lure top eBay sellers to Amazon. Um, the scheme is uh, eBay writes the scheme is startling and breadth, whatever that means, involving large numbers of Amazon representatives, targeting many hundreds of eBay sellers and spanning several countries overseas and many states in the United States, including California. Though it may seem those unfamiliar with eBay and Amazon business models that the two sites serve largely different customers, and that's true. Um, Amazon doesn't do like vintage t-shirts and vintage stuff. They do sell brand new stuff. Um, they do sell used stuff, but not just anything used. I mean, you really have, if it's used, it's got to be like in really good condition. Amazon has these like amazing uh, guidelines when it comes to selling used stuff on their platform. Um, Amazon has diversified its retail operation to include third-party sellers that can sell products direct to customers, which means you can go on Amazon and sell stuff. While eBay has grown from an auction site for used goods to a place where companies can create entire e-commerce operations, uh, which means, you know, like myself, we can open up a store and buy and list things on eBay, you know, as a as an entrepreneur instead of going out and buying a, you know, like a brick and mortar or, you know, something more tangible. Um, this you can just list the stuff on eBay and, and sell it like a real store. Uh, it's now clear the two are in direct competition. Well, yeah at least for online marketplace sellers who may use only one of the two platforms to conduct business, Amazon has declined to comment for this story. Uh, of course, when, you know, once you get sued, you know, you, you're going to shut up about it. You're not going to comment on anything. You know, you're not going to, you know, accuse you, you know, make a mistake of commenting on something and it's going to use in court. But, eBay is going on and suing Amazon. Let's see how this turns out. I mean, you guys, I'm sure there's a lot of you guys out there to sell on eBay and sell things on Amazon. Uh, I know that uh, the Pure Hustle podcast, Orlando, he sells on Amazon and eBay. So I'm wondering what he thinks about this. But we'll find out. We'll see how this goes and where it's going to go, if it's going to get settled or if it's going to go get dragged out in court, but uh, eBay is suing Amazon. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much it for the article. Um, tell me what you guys think about this article. Tell me if eBay is uh, is right is in the right accusing Amazon for poaching its uh, sellers and buyers, or does you know Amazon have the right to go over there and and lure third party sellers to and to come over? So let me know and uh, DM me, and I'll, I'll put it on the podcast. And that's pretty much it for eBay News. Now it's time for a weird listing of the week. Um, this one, not as weird as other ones. I'm trying to keep into the Halloween spirit, Halloween season. Um, this listing is, let's see the buyer, or sorry, the seller. It's called Monster Memories is the seller. And it's a 8x10 high-quality photo of the Bride of Frankenstein. Now, the photo has the original Frankenstein monster and the Bride of Frankenstein on here. And the 
seller is selling a photo of that scene from the Bride of Frankenstein. And it's actually a pretty cool photo, um, pretty high quality. Um, it doesn't say too much about the photo itself. So I went ahead and, and looked up some tidbits on there. And this is what it says about the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, the Bride of Frankenstein is a 1935 American science fiction horror film. The first sequel to Universal's 1931 hit, Frankenstein. Now, this was a follow-up to the original Frankenstein uh, movie, which was a monster hit back in 31. Uh, it is considered one of the few sequels to a great film that's even better than an original film in which it, which it is based uh, with the first film, um, Bride of Frankenstein was directed by James Whale, who also directed Frankenstein, the first movie, and stars uh, the legendary actor Boris Karloff as the monster, the Frankenstein monster. The sequel features Elsa Lancaster uh, in a dual role of Mary Shelley and the monster's mate at the end of the film. Colin Clive reprises his role as Henry Frankenstein, and Ernest... Dissinger plays the role of Dr. Uh, Septimus Pretorius. Try to say that very fast. And it has a bunch of tidbits on... Uh, it was released in April 19, 1935 in Chicago. Running time is 75 minutes. Um, here's the budget. Now, you think of these budgets nowadays for films like 300000 or $300 million, 300 I'm sorry, <laughs> God, 500 million, you know, for these high budget action blockbuster films. This was the budget for The Bride of Frankenstein, 397,000. Now, this was considered a box office smash, like a box. It was a blockbuster movie when it came out. And this was a sequel to the Frankenstein movie. And the box office it made during the release of 1935 was $2 million. Now, fast forward to today and think about if a movie was made for, let's just say it was, a movie today was made for like a low-budget film, 387000 and it made $2 million at the box office today, it's considered a flop. Even if it was a low-budget film, $2 million was a flop. In 1935, it is a blockbuster movie. So you, you could tell how times have changed from 1935 to 2018. $2 million. Blockbuster hit. And it goes on to say that... Um, you have to remember, this is 1935. This film was going to be censored. There was a lot of scenes that they were going to censor. And, <clears throat> sorry, The Bride of Frankenstein was subject to censorship both during production by the Hayes office and following its release by local and national censorship boards. Joseph Breen, let's lead censor for the Hayes office, objected to the lines of, of dialogue in the original submitted script in which Henry Frankenstein and his work 
were compared that of God, that we're going to censor that scene where he compared himself to God. That was that was just way too offensive for people in America in 1935. Um, he continued to object to such dialogues in revised scripts and to a planned shot of the Frankenstein monster rushing through a graveyard to a figure of a crucified Jesus and attempting to rescue the figure from the cross. Now imagine that scene. The Frankenstein monster seeing Jesus on the on the on the cross and thinking he needs help. And the Frankenstein monster goes and tries to save him. Now imagine if that scene was left in there, what kind of significance it would it would be today. <clears throat> I'm sorry. My throat's getting really dry. That would have been a really powerful scene, but it was too sensitive back then, too offensive to be shown in movie theaters and to showing to people. You have to remember that 1935 was a different time, different culture than it is in 2018. If you go back and you and you read stories from 1935 to now, completely different. It seemed like ages ago. It is ages ago. And to have people come around during your film that you're filming to say, you can't put that on there. You can't put this on there. You'd be like, wait a minute, this is America. I thought they didn't have censorship. Yeah, they did. You couldn't say what you want. You couldn't do what you want in American films. They had censors that, censors that went around and said, you can't do this. You can't film this. You can't film that. That is too offensive. That won't be show, uh, shown in the movie theaters. If you want your film to be shown in American movie theaters, you have to delete or cut out all these scenes because they're too offensive. It's amazing, right? Amazing. I'm, I'm a huge movie buff, and I love the history of Hollywood movies and, and, and everything like that. I even uh, majored in it in, in college when I went to college. But uh, it's... It, uh, let me let me finish the rest of this article. I thought it was amazing that they were going to censor the Bride of Frankenstein because it was just too offensive. Uh, the censor's office, upon reviewing the film in March of thirty-five, required a number of outs. Uh, director Weil or Whale agreed to delete a sequence in which um, Dwight Frey's nephew Glutz kills his uncle and blames the Frankenstein monster. And shots of Elsa Lancaster as Mary Shelley, in which Breen felt too much of her breasts were visible. Too much booby going on. And <laughs> curiously, despite his earlier objection, Breen offered no objection to the cruciform imaginary throughout the film. I don't know what that meant. Including a scene which the monster lashed Christ-like to a pole, nor to the presentation of Pretorius as a coded homosexual. Bride of Frankenstein was approved by the Production Code Office in April 15, 1935. And I just think it's amazing. Um, there's other stuff on here, too. I mean, they, they had a lot of issues with this movie. Uh, 
uh, censorship board in the state of Ohio in England and China objected to the scene in which the mo- uh, Frankenstein monster gazes longingly upon as yet unanimated body of the bride of Frankenstein, citing concerns that it looked like necrophilia. <laughs> They had issues with necrophilia, which is, you know, yeah, I mean, necrophilia, look it up, guys, if you don't know the definition. But they had an issue with that because the Frankenstein monster, before the Bride of Frankenstein was reanimated into a living thing, he was looking at it, was already in love with it, you know, gazing at it, saying, this is who I'm going to marry. You know, and this is a 1935 film. You know, and they looked at it as necrophilia, which I thought was very, very interesting. But uh, it became a, a smash hit. It, it's it's a classic film. It's uh, they say it's even better than the original Frankenstein movie, and you can buy a still photo of one of the scenes on eBay. This is Bride of Frankenstein, Karloff monster meets his mate. It's an eight by ten photo. It's very cool. Twelve bucks, twelve dollars and ninety-five cents, or or best offer. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought the real, like the tidbits and, and the um, information on this movie were, were really interesting, and that's the reason for my weird listing of the week, keeping in the Hollywood, uh, Halloween spirit, uh, going with the classic movie, Bride of Frankenstein. So you can watch it, you can buy the movie, download the movie. It's a very good movie, but. Uh, that's pretty much it for my weird listing of the week. Um, I want to thank everybody for uh, listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. It gets a lot of listens. Uh, apparently, um, I'm saying something interesting to you guys, and I thank you for it. Um, I do this podcast because I want to give back to the reselling community as it was given to me when I first started. Um this this podcast is free. I don't charge download for it. You can just download it and listen to it. And I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening to it. I appreciate uh, any feedback that you guys might have, good or bad. I, you can go ahead and leave any good or f- uh, bad feedback. I, I can take it. I'm a big boy. Um, if you want to message me with any segment here on my podcast, just let me know. And I'll read it on my podcast. Just leave me a message and I'll read it and um, give me your Instagram handle. I'll, I'll sh- give a shout out to your Instagram handle. And thank you very much for everybody for listening. Um, I will see you guys next week. Uh, it's a different different day for my podcast now. As you guys all know, I put it on my Instagram. It's going to be pu- published every Sunday now. Every Sunday. And then hopefully next week I'll have a reseller to interview. And you guys can listen to their journey as a reseller. But for now, I hope your sales are good. Hope your sales are up. It's Q4. Let's get uh, rocking and let's get uh, get hustling, man. Good night.